You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. So uh, I thought it was kind of ironic. I don't know if you guys picked up on it. Uh, that first song, I'll brought, I brought up the chorus for you. In light of this morning and this, this last night, open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from my heart, filling every part of our praise. We got that mighty river out there, and we got that mighty river in here. Uh, you guys might be tired like I am after getting multiple of those alarms in the middle of the night last night of flash floods. Actually, at 4 o'clock, Sarah said, hey, we need to call the police and offer our, our building. And so at 4 o'clock, I'm on the line with the church, uh, with the police, offering to come use our parking lot, tell them if they need, we could come unlock the building and just be there for, for all these people. And so, uh, I'm glad you guys are here this morning, willing to brave all this weather, willing to come out and, and fight the, what might have been traffic for, for the race. It turns out, fighting the weather and being here. This morning's a, a little different for the sermon time. Uh, today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles or the, that journal, uh, open it to Mark chapter 4, and we're looking at Jesus' teaching. This is the first of his parables. Uh, Mark doesn't have as many parables as the other Gospels. In fact, Mark has the least number of parables. There's only four or five. And this is the first one that Mark includes. This parable is in all the Gospels. And Mark includes this one, and it's a special one. It's one you might be familiar with. You might have heard before. It's the parable of the sower. This is the first one Mark introduces us to. And Jesus has this giant crowd. It's this crowd of, of Israelites, this crowd of people that are part of a farming culture. Everything they know revolves around farming. Many of them are farmers. Uh, if they aren't, their, their whole society revolves around it. Even their festivals and what, and what they do when they're praising God, two of those revolve around the harvest, the opening uh, harvest and the closing harvest. It is uh, integral to their faith. It's integral to their economics, to everything about them. So Jesus has this giant crowd. And this crowd is full of peasants, full of normal people, full of farmers, full of people dependent on grain. And so this parable hits home. When he shares this, they know exactly what he's talking about. When he dives into this story, they're, they're understanding the concept, the, the idea of, of the different soils. And not all of them then are able to make the connection to the kingdom of God. And so we'll see Jesus explains it to the disciples, but this parable is really the, the story of the kingdom of God. The kingdom from when Jesus first comes and he's sowing the seeds to the very end of time uh, when Jesus comes again and the harvest is taken. And then in between those two times, the time that we're living in, are the soils. And so as we go through this morning... As we hear about the parable from a different perspective in a video, as we look at the parable from the text, as we dive into the parable a little through some teaching, let's think, which soil are we? To begin, we have a video. Uh, for a city boy like me, uh, I don't know much about growing. I don't know anything about wheat. And so watching this video opened my eyes to several different things. It, it kind of made this story come alive. And so I hope it does for you. And it's about a 10-minute video breaking down this, this parable into what it would be like if you were in that farming community. This is a seed grade of wheat that came from a local 
farm supply and we'll put a portion of that in my little bag here so they would they would hold this bag and that quantity of wheat about like that and take a handful at a time and sow the wheat like that so this this is a good seed grade wheat here probably germination of 85 percent plus which is normal let's go out and sow a little of this Well, I've been a lifelong farmer. I was born and reared on a farm in the Cortner Station or Normandy community of Bedford County, about 45 miles south of here. In my lifetime, I remember wheat is when I was just old enough to remember. Wheat is what we call a winter annual, and generally speaking, it would be sowed in the fall. Days at an immature stage during the winter, matures in the spring, early summer, and then harvested, and the land is left open until the cool weather starts in the fall, and then re the seed again for the next crop the next year. Okay, this is a lane or a walkway or a heavy use area here, which is quite compacted and hard, and it would be impossible to get a good stand of wheat or any crop on an area like this. And this is very similar to what you would find in the roadways uh, between property lines of years ago. And hand sowing or any, any sowing like that, you have some seeds that will fly or carry further than others, and you would get it in that margin there. It wouldn't be just precise like digging a row of planting in the garden that it broadcast it would, some of it would go further than others. So there would be some scattering out on the hard ground or the paths. You know, birds are scavengers, and they'll pick up anything that's edible that's loose, uh, whether it might have been pigeons or ravens or what have you. Uh, you sow down the seed, and, and the birds would fly in behind and pick up a lot of it. I would not make a good bootlegger because it spilled too much. Begin with the broadcast method of just sowing it on top of the soil and then in some way scarifying that soil surface to incorporate the seed or give better seed soil contact. So that's what I did with this little disc. Earlier we sowed that broadcast on top of the soil there and then I came back with this disc and just scratched that a little bit or scarified it so that the seed would have some loose soil to make contact with so that it would germinate more readily and have a better chance of growth. I think that's what would have happened many, many years ago in biblical times that uh, uh, they probably uh, sowed it on hard ground or almost hard ground and then came back some way it drug something over it or scarified that surface to give them better seed soil contact so to get better germination. My little tractor here is almost as old as I am. This is a 1964 model 2020 John Deere. 
it's just as handy as it can be. It's big enough to do a lot of jobs and not too large to do a lot of jobs. Happened to be gasoline powered rather than diesel powered. When we sow seed on a glady area or an area that had very shallow soil, it dries out so quickly that the plant cannot mature in a normal time and it ends up dying and that's why we have some indication of that here in the dead tissue here on top of the, the soil that is actually died prematurely and bears no fruit, bears no grain. What happens when, uh, when you have a crop of berries in that glady ground and what have you, there's very little fertility to it. So you have a stunted plant to begin with, a stunted seedling. And then for the, from the lack of fertilizer or fertilizer elements, plant growth elements, and the lack of water, we have a stunted plant. If uh, it dries up a little bit, then there's no resistance to those adverse conditions and it dies in hot weather. As I see it in this field, there are two stages of growth here, and I think you can pick that up on the picture there, that what I'm walking through right now is some of the volunteer wheat that was rolled over from the combine and was put back on the ground back in June when they planted it, when they combined it last year. Now just ahead of me, it's not quite as tall, and this was seeded the day before Thanksgiving. So it, there's not as many seed per acre as there would be in that that rode over the combine. So it's going to be a little bit behind the other in maturity. Now hopefully all of this is going to be about waist high at maturity. Around 36 inches. Okay, here's another example of how many tillers come from one seed. You can see readily that that it's one seed right there, one crown. There's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, a dozen, 12 potential heads off of that one seed. So you multiply 12 times whatever a head has in it and you come out with the increase from one seed. In, in the corner of this field, it'd be difficult to turn our farm machinery around, so this is what we would call an idle area here. And this is a very good indication of plant competition where native species, which we may call weeds, uh, compete with our crops. And we can see a very good example of it along the border here and get over in the edge of the fence row there, the edge of the field, you can see how much taller it gets and it just takes over from our, our cultivated plants. Now, and this area here, you can see the little boot here and the flag leaf from the wheat and see how small and unthrifty it is. And that's just from competition from other plant species. The plants are so close together that it can't get enough, we'll say, daylight, sunlight. They can't take up enough moisture. They can't take up enough nutrition out of the soil to make a normal growth. 
So we just get a little spindly plant rather than a big healthy plant. Okay, here in front of me is a musk thistle. That's a biennial plant. Okay, it's, it's not unusual for some of the, one of these plants to grow three feet in diameter to shade out an area that large. So you can imagine how devastating it could be in a grain crop or a wheat crop. One plant may have a million seeds, so there'd be enough plants on this to seed half of Rutherford County. It's been about a month since we visited this field before and we can see a whole lot of growth in that period of time. And this wheat is well on the stage, way to maturity now, uh, probably twice as tall as it was back then, and it's in the flag or boot stage at this time. And you can see some of the heads here that uh, this, apparently there's two different varieties in this field. These are bearded heads. You see the on or the beard here. This one is beardless. And I pulled this sample right here to show you that this head is beginning to bloom. Now this is a self-fertile crop, so it fertilizes itself. Uh, insects can help pollination, but it's, it's not absolutely necessary to get a good wheat yield because it is a self-fertile crop. There's a number of things that, that make soil good. One is depth, moisture holding capacity. You get shallow soils with a, a very shallow topsoil layer and a lot of subsoil, which is poor in nutrients, deficient in nutrients, you won't get much yield. If you get a deep topsoil, high in nutrients, then you can get a good yield. If we plant a bushel and a half, which would be roughly 100 pounds per acre, we would expect to get back, in the case of, of this field here, uh, they anticipated getting 80 bushels to the acre. That's an increase of, what, 60 times or something like that. And normally, uh, if we planted a bushel and a half the acre, anywhere from, from 40 to 80 bushel is a very good rate of increase. Okay, this is a typical mature head of wheat. And this one happens to be beardless rather than bearded. And I'm going to attempt to do just like Jesus did back when he crossed the grain field and picked up a head of wheat and thrashed it in his hand, rubbed it in his hand together to thrash the wheat out. Now, as you notice that the, in this little breeze that we have, that there goes the chaff which the wind blows away. And if you don't get it all, well, you just rub it more to, in your hand to remove that chaff from the grain itself and hold it up and the wind drives the chaff off and that's the way they did that if the wind if uh, and they call it winnowing where it actually separates the chaff from the grain we're just starting to combine this field for grain uh, he's made several rounds in this field and it looks rather promising for this year the thing i like about farming most 
is to see crop grow, crops grow and then see crops harvested and be able to plant the seed again and see them regrow again. Uh, I love the land, I love the soil, I love to plant and I love to see plants grow. And I also love the harvest season because that means at the end of a lifetime of a plant and you harvest its produce, which is, it's a wholesome life. It's a great life if you don't weaken. I made my first garden when I was six years old, and that's 74 years ago, so I've been farming for three quarters of a century. You know, I'm not done yet. Uh, I, I'm a mere 80 and 20 more years of farming. That may put me to 100, that's a century, so that's long enough. I'll turn it over to some of my grandchildren then. I don't know about you, but it gives a different perspective to the story that I'm about to read. It did catch, when I was watching that, I thought, if I was a piece of, if I was a grain of wheat, I would be the beardless variety. But, uh, all right. If you have your Bible, open to uh, Mark chapter 4. Uh, I'm just going to read through this whole parable as Jesus shared. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teachings he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plant, so they did not bear, fruit, bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew the produce a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the, the word. Some people are like seed along the path, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes up and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others... Like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no roots, the only, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. The video helped me see the, the impact. That's the same seed. The same seed is sown in, in four different conditions, and yet the results are drastically different. This is what the, Jesus' message is. It's the same seed. 
the message that he is the Messiah, the message that he is our Savior, and the message that he is the one that has come and to take away our sins, the message that we know as we have read through the Bible that he dies on the cross, that he raises again as we celebrate next, next week for Easter, that the tomb is empty. This is the same seed. But the seed is always the same. The soil is different. And that's where we come in, the soil. There's four different soils that, that Jesus looks at, and, and we'll hit those real quick. You, you obviously have picked up on it. We've looked at it now twice, and this will be a third time. You have the hard path where the seed lands and the seed can't grow. And the birds come and pick it up, and as Jesus explains, Satan comes and takes away those seeds. And so you have the hard path, and, and the reality is probably the fact that if you're here this morning or if you're watching online, that's probably not you, for the most part. That probably isn't you, but the reality is you know people who are in the hard path. People that have completely rejected the idea of Jesus, people that are not open to it, and, and there's various reasons. As Jesus says, Satan has come and plucked up those seeds, there's various reasons, whether it be because of a, a pain that they've experienced in their life, because of being hurt by Christians or by the church, because of different reasons, different faiths, different backgrounds, whatever that might be. There's people you know that are the hard soil. And so when we encounter the hard soil, I think we need to pray. When we encounter the hard soil, the people in your life, the coworker that you know, the family member that's closed off to hearing about Jesus, that every time you get together, they say, I don't want to hear about that. They quickly change the subject. Let us come before the Lord and pray. Because we're going to see the reality is the soil doesn't have to stay the same. And so let us pray for, pray for that the gospel will seek in and pray that God will be able to change their hearts and find ways to do that and the reality is you might be that way through your prayer or maybe God's putting you in their path to continually share about Jesus with them, to be able to make them not the hard soil, but let the, the seed rest. We have the rocky soil. The rocky soil is, it looks good at first, but as you, as you dig down, you, you tend to encounter rocks and, and, and hard places. This is often where new Christians are. When you first accept Jesus, you're excited and, and you're passionate and everything's great. But then when you go and you tell your friends and you tell your family and your coworkers and they say, well, aren't you going to come, come out and with us this Saturday night? You're like, no, man, I don't do that anymore. And they're like, oh, come on, you, you can still, still party with us tonight. Or if you're changing your habits or, or where your priorities or where your money's going and, and your spouse isn't on board and, and whatever that might be, that you're finding these obstacles, these hard points. And it slowly begins to kill out this excitement, this passion for Christ. When you see it's not always easy. Or maybe, as Jesus talks, that there's crises that come into our life. Hard points. Maybe it's not if you're a new Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while. But there's just hard points. And they seem to be killing out this passion for Christ. That there's a loss of a family member, that there's a, there's a loss of a job, that there's this hard place in your life, this encounter, this relationship that's falling apart, and it just seems to be killing off your faith. It's the rocky soil. That it, everything grows up great at first, but when, the, when it hits the hard point, everything gets worse, and it begins to die. For those people, I want to encourage you, 
to be able to find ways around the rocky soil because the rocks are there. They, they doesn't change. We can't just remove all the rocks, but what we can do is find ways around the rocks or we'll find ways around by diving into scripture, into prayer, into a small group, into community, that life isn't meant to be done alone, that these seeds aren't meant to be planted alone. It's in the entire field that we're growing together. And so you've heard it said twice this morning, and we got this women's Bible study. I just want to share this for a second. It's called uh, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And, and ladies, uh, if I can get your attention, I think this is going to be life-changing for the body of this church. I think this is going to be a, a movement that's going to be amazing. We have eight small groups that are starting the week after Easter, starting April 12th. And this Bible study goes six weeks. And if you, if you want to, to see if you got different times, we have it all throughout the week. We have two. Uh, we have one on Sunday morning, one on Wednesday night. So if you need child care, we have that. We would love to have you be part of that. It's on uh, your, your compass. If you grabbed one of those, grab it on your way out. If you haven't grabbed one, to get the details, and you can go and sign up online, it's going to be changing. It's going to be a wave that's going to come and sweep this church, and I hope Bristol so I want to encourage you ladies to be part of that because we all have these rocks. We all have these crises. We all have things that, that have come in our life that we're struggling to forgive. We're not going to be able to grow. We're not going to be able to produce the fruit that we could that the good soil has if we don't get past these rocks in our path. And so we have then the weed-infested soil. This is the, the, the soil, the, the wheat that grows up, but it's surrounded by weeds. And Jesus uses this analogy that the, the material world, the things of this world are, are choking it out. That we get so caught up and uh, we might have this passion for Jesus Christ, but, but our time gets away from us because we're so caught up in trying to, to make more money, to buy bigger things, to have bigger and better Maybe we're so caught up in things, other things that are choking us out, relationships, a hectic schedule. Perhaps it, it, it's addictions. Perhaps it's pornography. Perhaps it's a broken relationship. Perhaps it's, it's not even anything overtly bad. It's just that we're so busy doing so many different things. And sometimes we're so busy doing different things, seemingly for God, that we miss on just growing and loving God. And so these weeds get choked out by everything around us. That's where I think many of us fall. That we want to have this passion for Christ. That we have this desire in a relationship, but it just seems so hard. Seems like there's not enough time in the day. It seems like there's always another kid crying. It seems like there's always another demand at work. There's always another test in school. There's always another problem that I'm facing. There's always another breakdown in a relationship. There's always another this. There's always another that. And so our focus begins to go to all those places and those grow. And our faith doesn't. And if we're not pouring water on our seeds of our faith, we're not going to produce fruit. And everything around us is going to grow except for that. And then we have the good soil. The good soil that uh, I loved when he pulled that out, I had never seen that before. That one seed had 12 sprouts coming off of it, right? And then each one of those sprouts has a beardless or a bearded uh, wheat in the end that the fold, as he shared, then that field would be 60-fold this year of producing fruit. That one seed can produce so much more. 
One seed would be able to feed people. One seed would be able to nourish people. One seed would be able to bring nourishment. One seed, one field would be able to care for many. And this is the story of our faith. That if we're the good soil and the seed, which is the message of Jesus Christ, is planted in us. And if we cultivate that and if we, if we feed it through spiritual disciplines, through prayer, through community, through, through our Bible study, if we make it a priority instead of all the other things around us, we're going to produce fruit. Others will come to know Christ because of us. And when the harvester comes, wouldn't it be great to know that we're part of this grand harvest that's 30, 60, 100 fold of what we are today? That would be amazing. And so as we look at these four soils, it comes back down to the question I asked at the beginning. What soil are you? What soil are you? Are you the, are you the hard soil? Are you the rocky soil? That there's things going on in your life that, that you need to work through, you need to, to, to grow closer to God to get around are you the soil, the weed-infested soil that we just need to have a priority and start focusing more on Christ? Are you the good soil? Where are you this morning? What kind of soil are you? As we look at this answer, there's not really a wrong answer necessarily because the only wrong answer would be one that you're not being honest with yourself. I hope that you can look at that list and, and say, you know what, I, I don't know that I'm the good soil today. I want to be, but I might be that weed-infested soil. Because that's the right answer is an honest one because then you know what to do. We need to bring our focus and our priorities on Christ and start getting rid of the, the weeds around us. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm really the rocky soil and, and I need to work through this. And, and if that's the case, let us work it through you with you. We got uh, avenues that we can do that, whether it's the, the women's Bible study, some, the men's small group on Thursday night. We got lots of ways in community or, or avenues through um, study or prayer. And we'd love to pray with you in the prayer room back there. If you're watching online, send us a prayer request. We'd love to present you before God and help you get past the rocks. Maybe if you're the hard soil, might just need to have the reality of, I don't want to be there. Because the truth is, that doesn't have to be the soil we're at. At our home, we have these eight, uh, six garden beds. And so uh, we went out there, and my kids have been playing in dirt all winter. And so it's gotten packed down, and it's, it's hard. And so we went out and, and tilled it. You know, I just took a shovel and scooped it and, and then had Isaiah do the rest. And, and uh, then we got um, softer and fertilizer and another fertilizer that smelled awful. And, um, and I don't know what that one was, and I don't really want to. Um, like I said, city boy. All right, and so, um, but we mix it all together, and our soil is good and ready, and I hope we have a great harvest this summer. What kind of soil are you? If you need to put some work into the soil, now's the time, because the harvest is coming, and I pray when the harvester comes, we can all be part of a fruitful crop. What kind of soil are you? And what do you need to do today to be the soil you want to be? If you'll pray with me. God, we just lift this up to you and pray that we can be the soil that, that brings you glory. God, that we can be the good soil. And Lord, there is no 
uh, wrong answer this morning if we're being honest with ourselves because that's the answer that we can then grow from. God, if there's people here this morning that are the hard soil, let them come and talk to someone. Let us meet us in the prayer room. Reach out to a loved one. Reach out to one of us here on staff, to, to one of the elders, God, to be able to, to grow and soften their hearts. If there's rocky soil, people that are admitting, I'm facing a crisis, and it's killing my faith. God, let us be able to pray with them. Let us be able to walk through that with them. God, let you touch their hearts and, and break through those rocks. Lord, there's people here that are weed infested, that they want to grow for you, but there's just so much. Life just seems so much. God, if that is a person here and that's on their heart right now, touch their heart. Let them know your yoke is easy burden is light. Come all who are weary. Come to you. God, let us come to you in the midst of the so much. Draw to you and find our focus on you. And God, if there is good soil here this morning, I praise you for that. I praise you for the people that are the good soil. And God, let them, the biggest burden is on that group. Because God, let that group be able to produce a crop. Let that group be able to set an example. Let that group be able to be your, your leaders, your ministers, your, your missionaries at their work, at their school, at their home, in their neighborhood. God, let those people produce a crop that is 60, 100-fold. Let them be passionate for you, producing for you, loving you. God, we are each a soil. Touch our hearts this morning to know where we are and where you want us to be. And we lift this up in your name.